circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here in KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the East Bay Area. February is Black History Month, and tonight Full Circle kicks off our month-long celebration. On tonight's show, we'll hear from Dr. Carrie Frazier, as her organization, Village Keepers, opens the first African-American wellness center in Antioch. We'll also hear some poetry and an interview with San Francisco Poet Laureate Congo Eisen Martin. Later, we'll get an update on some Black History Month events in Antioch. Additionally, we'll hear from our own Joy Moore, me, on her historic insights on the plight of enslaved Africans. And finally, We'll get a taste of some history and celebration of Black instrumental classical musicians and their music. All that tonight on Full Circle. We are your host tonight. I'm Free Will and Franklin. And I'm Joy Moore. Keep it keep locked. It, keep it locked right here at KBFA. <laughs> Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight, we are kicking off our celebration of Black History Month here on Full Circle. And Black History Month is something we actually try to honor every year, every day. We want to celebrate and honor our African-American community. To kick off the show, let's check out this interview from Free Will and Franklin as he speaks with Dr. Carrie Frazier of Village Keepers in Antioch, California. Yes, and I recorded this interview back in December at the opening ceremonies of the newly formed African American Wellness Center of Antioch. My name is Carrie Frazier, and I'm the president and uh, CEO of Village Keepers. And it's a community service organization that really is wanting to reach out to African American families. We're particularly interested in health because for the last 15 years that I've been in the community, our, our health rate has been 20% higher in terms of problems than any other population. And so I think that we can do something about that. We don't have to just accept that. And so education is a major part of what we'll be doing and reaching out to people to help them uh, make better choices about their health. Well, we're at your opening today of the African American Wellness Center here in Antioch. Tell us what are some of the things you plan on doing inside here? What we'll be doing is um, we'll be meeting on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 until 2 p.m. And we'll be doing blood pressures, all of the basic vital signs, and a lot of teaching, especially on Thursdays from 12.30 to 1.30. We'll be teaching about all the different illnesses that happen in a family. And in addition to, you know, you hear a lot about blood pressure and diabetes and that. Well, we know that there's so many more things, and so we want to cover the gamut of things that people need to know more about. 
and in particular reaching out to the young people so that they learn more about their bodies and they can make better choices. And one thing that I heard is going to be um, talked about here and um, you're going to educate people about and help them with is mental health awareness. Exactly. Talk about why uh, mental health awareness is so important and um, what you plan on doing. What, the way we look at things, especially in the African-American community, is we don't separate secular versus spiritual. It's all one. And so what we look at is when you're talking about a body or somebody having a problem, it affects their whole being. And so we will be trying to address all of that. Uh, we wouldn't be proselytizing or trying to you know, convert anybody to anything, but prayer is something that is a vital support for people, and if that's what they need, then that's what we can do. And or if they tell us that this is how they're managing, we don't say that's superstition. We ask them to build that in as part of their health program and so that they can continue not only to do what they're comfortable with, but add on some new skills. And we are located down here, um, not quite downtown Antioch, but kind of in the, the, lower, the closer to downtown area. And it's kind of a multiracial neighborhood. Who's welcome to come by here and um, investigate what you're doing? Anybody's welcome to come. You know, the reason we called it an African-American Family Wellness Center is because other ethnic groups have organizations and people know that that's who they're for. Typically, there's nothing that's earmarked for African-Americans. And so we have to send that signal that we're here for them. But that being said, nobody will be turned away for getting a blood pressure or whatever they need. So we're just going to be here. We're going to be here. And let's say someone stops by, they get a health check, some blood pressure, anything else you're checking for. What are you going to do with that information? Let's say somebody has extremely high blood pressure um, and you find a problem with somebody. What will you then do? What we'll do is, first of all, we, we take a health history to find out if they're already connected with a doctor, if they've been going, you know, and if not, what's, what's some of the reasoning. And so if it's really high, then we advise them to go to the doctor, but we're working on building a relationship with the community clinics so that if we call up and say, you know, we have a, a client here who really could use some attention, that we can refer them over there and people are going to respond to them. So we, we call it triage meaning we send them wherever they need additional services. And why do you think it's important to have it so local? I've been personally dealing with the medical system lately, taking some of my neighbors um, that are elderly into the medical system to get treatment. And you have to travel to the hospital, you gotta go in um, through all these proper procedures, um, not to mention having to have healthcare insurance. So talk about the importance of what you're doing here when someone could just walk up and they don't, they're not going to have to pull out their insurance card and stuff like that. Why is that important to you? Well, it's important to me because I think that any barrier that a person has that is, you know, iffy about taking care of themselves, it just becomes a good excuse. So we try to erase that. It's, it's a free service. All the staff is working for free because we grew up in the hood. We got educated and now we want to be able to share back with, you know, with the people. So we just, we just want them to, to take advantage of it, to take advantage of it. And I think we're living in a time where people are much more conscious about health. Doesn't mean that they're going to do anything, but they, they hear about it a lot. You know, now I'm with mental health. A lot of the rappers are talking about mental health and getting help. I love it because that's who the, 
the people listen to. And so we just want to be there that after they listen to the record or listen to the talk show, they really can come in and get some help. Now, Dr. Frazier, talk a little bit about what got you to the point to create a wellness center yourself and staff it with uh, doctors and nurses yourself. I've spent uh, a good 11 years working in the hospitals. UC Medical Center altivates John Muir as a medical social worker and enjoyed that. Uh, when I first went off to college, I was going to be a nurse and ended up becoming a social worker. And But seeing the needs of the people, you, you can't, at least I couldn't help but feel empathy and wanting to get involved in doing something. And so I've been blessed that the efforts that I've made and with others, it has helped. So it gives me optimism that all we have to do is put together a good program and stay committed and it's going to be able to make a difference. And in your opening remarks, uh, opening the, the center today, you mentioned um, some of your staff, but um, briefly tell us about um, who you got here and you know what their specialties are. Um, let's see, there's uh, Ms. Debo Fashikan. Uh, she was a local entrepreneur here in, in terms of having a shop downtown uh, in, in Antioch. But she's also a, a nurse, and she's a, also an instructor at, one, at the uh, technical college. And I'm delighted to, I've gotten to know her, you know, over the last four or five years and can see her heart and uh, she's committed to being able to, to do this work with us. So we're just glad in the fact that she's a teacher. That means that we can have students to come here now and have people who can help them pass boards and know what to expect and also to get some practical experience. The other person that you heard from was Vonda Nolan who is someone that she and I go back at least 12, 13 years. And uh, she's been public health nurse and being involved with the community forever. And it was her idea to really go ahead and spearhead the uh, Contra Costa nurses, where she works with faith-based nurses around the area. And so to have somebody of her caliber on our team, I mean, that's, that's just gold right there. Um, the other person that you heard from, Jessie Thompson, she's a nutritionist, but her background in medicine was dialysis technician, and she did that for over 30 years. So when we talk about kidney disease, she's someone who knows about that in terms of family members that have gone through it, plus she's worked directly with dialysis and the things that patients have to go through, and technically that's how we met. I was at UC Medical Center uh, as a graduate student, met her in did an internship in dialysis and we've been friends ever since and that's been over 40 years ago yeah all right dr frazier before i let you go what are you really looking forward to and hoping to accomplish here we want to be able to stay and and if we can stay we know we can make a difference and working with the young people so that they learn more about their bodies and they can make better choices and teach their brothers and sisters that's how we hope to be able to break the uh, chain of disparities that happens in our community and I guess my last question would be, how can folks contact the African American Wellness Center in Antioch or follow information about what's happening here? Uh, the number is area 925-787-4827. We have a website, www.villagekeeper.com, and they can see everything that we're doing. Uh, also, we were really gratified that other agencies could see the potential for collaboration with us. So we feel like this was a, a, a godsend today to have this many people come and from all walks. And we now have some relationships that we can start to build going forward.
All right, Dr. Kerry Frazier, I'm very excited for you and uh, very proud of you and the work that your crew are doing here. Um, congratulations. Thank you very much. And I want to just thank you again because you've been so faithful. Whenever we've been doing anything in the community, you've always reached out and come out, and I really appreciate the support. Thank you. Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. You just heard our own Free Will and Franklin speaking with Dr. Carrie Frazier of Village Keepers. You can find more information about the African American Wellness Center and Village Keepers on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Yes, the African American Wellness Center is now located at 301 West 10th Street in Antioch. That's the corner of 10th and D Streets. And they will begin their services there starting the second Tuesday in March, and that's March 8th. So be sure to check them out. All right, let's take a short music break. This is Dead Prez with Be Healthy. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. Stay tuned. Vegetables, fresh fruit, and whole wheat. I'm from the old school. My household smell like soul food, bruh. Curry falafel, barbecue tofu. No fish, no, no candy bars, no cigarettes. Only ganja, fresh squeezed juice from oranges. Exercising daily to stay healthy. And I rarely drink water out the tap because it's filthy. Lentil soup is mental fruit and ginger root is good for the use. Fresh vegetable with them ital stew. Sweet yam fries with the green hallelujah. Careful how you season and prepare your foods Cause you don't wanna lose vitamins and minerals And that's the jewel Life brings life, it's valuable So I eat what come from the ground, it's natural Let your food be your medicine, no excedrin Strictly herbs and rays from the sun Cause I got melanin and drink water Eight glasses a day Cause that's what they say They say you are what you eat So I strive to eat healthy My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy Cause true wealth come from good health and wise ways We gotta start taking better care of ourselves They say you are what you eat So I strive to eat healthy My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy Cause true wealth come from good health and wise ways We gotta start taking better care of ourselves Be healthy, y'all Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org. We just heard Be Healthy from Dead Prez. And up next, we're going to hear an interview and a poem from San Francisco Poet Laureate Tongo Eisenmartin. Appointed on January 15, 2021 by Mayor London Breed to be San Francisco's 8th Poet Laureate, Tongo was born and raised in San Francisco and earned his M.A. at Columbia University. He is the author of Someone's Dead Already, nominated for California Book Award, and Heaven is All Goodbyes, which received the 2018 American Book Award and a 2018 California Book Award, and was named the 2018 National California Booksellers Association Poetry Book of the Year. 
Let's check it out. This is myself, Free Will and Franklin, speaking with San Francisco Poet Laureate Tongo Eisenmartin, the co-founder of Black Freighter Press. Black Freighter Press, tell us a little bit of history on it. When was it created and why is it important to create your own Black Freighter Press? What's the, the idea behind it? Well, it, it, has, it actually has a few biographies. Uh, number one, you know, we, we want to capture the cultural means of production, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's cool to get some kind of access, but if you're not facilitating the process yourself, you ultimately don't have power. So, you know, this is how we this is how we lay our hands on the creation of reality in a sense, not to be too grandiose, but that's that's the underlying objective. And then along the way also, you know, we got poets that are incarcerated, poets that have passed away, you know, and then of course groovy poets like Josiah Luis Alderete, who just, uh, you know what I mean, a medicine man masquerading as a poet, you know what I mean? It just need a, a conduit to get his medicine out, you know? And so tell me why it's important to like um, amplify the words of the poets, like other countries and the poets are seen more revered or they have a little more um, political weight than the United States hasn't really seemed to embrace the, well, let's just put it this way. Some people in the United States haven't really embraced the power of the poetry. But in your opinion, what's the role of the poet and the power of the the poetry? Well, in, in a society like this one, or in, a, in an empire like this one, the, the role of the poet really is to help, you know, do cultural work, the cultural work to help transform consciousness by kind of showing the potentials of consciousness, you know, being kind of like, being the change you want to see in other people's minds, you know, you got to, uh, you know, let your mind almost be an example. But now the, 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 the catch in the groovy part is in order to pull that off, you have to be part of a serious political praxis yourself or have a serious political praxis yourself um, in, in order to pull off that kind of give, give, give people something not necessarily to, you know, imitate or emulate, but just to, you know, actually uh, put a mirror up like, look, this is this is actually how our minds are supposed to work. And how do you feel about like the the poetry in the United States? What would you like to see uh, the poet become um, in the greater um, consciousness of the what is now the United States? Brother, do we need there, this? Right? There, 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 I, I, there, it, it, in order for the poets to be what the poets need to be, you might it might have to be after there is a United States that we can that we can pull off. You know. That, 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 that actually a, a human society can be organized properly because it's just too much, you know, it's, this is too much of a war machine um, to, to, uh, to brighten up, you know, or beautify, you know, it has to be transformed, you know. Not to be, not trying to be slick with the question, but in, uh, from the bottom of my heart, you know what I mean? This would be a, this would be a post-United States phenomenon, you know what I'm saying? All right, and then more about Black Freighter Press. You talked about uh, Josiah Luis. We all know him on Full Circle here. He did the uh, Spanglish Power Hour, and uh, we just featured him a couple weeks ago uh, recording his um, poems over on the other side of San Francisco, the public library. Um, so tell me more about Black Freighter Press. Tell me about um, a couple more of the poets and where people find you, how to get books from you. You know, we don't need the uh, the, the space clown Bezos. Yeah, you know, how do we get it direct yeah, from the source? Yeah, yeah, man. You know, we don't even want to know nothing about where that's going on with Bezos and, and the space and the rest of the space cowboys. Um, go to blackfreighterpress.com. 
B-L-A-C-K-F-R-E-I-G-H-T-E-R-P-R-E-S-S dot com. And uh, man, so we got uh, uh, this book by Q.R. Hand Jr. coming out, passed away uh, last New Year's Eve. He was, you know, the giant that got away, you know, I mean, just a, a, a poet's poet. Um, unfortunately, passed away before we get the book out, but it was being completed while he was still alive. Um, a, a cat that's doing life in, in prison right now in, in Florida named Christopher Malik. We have uh, Landon, a young killer named Landon Smith. We also have a, a, a title by uh, Raina Leon coming out. So, but, but just go to the website. Uh, keep keep in tune with us, and and um, and it, it it's all there. Well, what else would you like to say just to the? Uh the KPFA listeners about poetry, um, poets coming to poetry events, watching online. I mean, why has poetry become so important to you and what do you want to share with the world with poets? Well, you know, it's just that poetry is natural. It, it's really just, it's, it's, not a, it's not a trance. It's not a, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not even a destination, man. It's just relaxing into, the, into other potentials of, of your mind and seeing what, you know, what else you have to communicate or how else you want to communicate, but it's, it's just as natural as any other type of thought, you know, or any other type of communication. And what I just, again, emphasize, man, it's like if, if we all want to help anything, it's, 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 it's getting organized, you know, that we, we can't sit back and let these institutions continue to, you know, all of the, whatever, this power structure uh, to, to, to create reality, reality for us, you know, like, yes, we have some uprisings. Yes, the system took a step back, but without organization, man, without us putting together a real people structure, we're just gonna go back. We're, we're, we're just gonna go back underwater any any day now, you know. So I mean, not not to end it with doom and gloom with the groovy music playing in the background, man. But I just want I just want cast to stay. Just keep that keep 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 that on your to do list, man. How how are y'all really doing it collectively? Unity is the only thing. I think the idea is, man, it's like, look, we have to start reabsorbing our powers. See, right now, we, you know, we give our civic power to, you know, bourgeois politicians. We give our military power to repressive police forces and prisons. You know, we give, we're always putting some institution in between us and our animation, you know. So it's time to reclaim that, reabsorb that, and start figuring out, okay, well, what practices what collect uh, uh, what what collectives do we have to put together so that my life is actually an exercise in my power? You know, put that in the diet. You know? <laughs> All right, Tongo, Heisen Martin, yeah. poet laureate of San Francisco. Thanks for joining us on Full Circle tonight. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate you. And now the poem. Societies wander together like hopeful drops of a virus. Citizen testaments bent on offing me. A nation of breadwinners to hold me back like it's a Brinks. I wrinkle the concrete sometimes like flesh. My Martin Luther King permanence turned away from a podium into the reeds like God is the dangerous twin. Black August to the mountaintop balcony on my bedroom floor. You know they, they steal you from the earth itself and suspend you and your broken neck from their foolish euphoria. From the loyalty oath of their great superstitions, loyalty oath of their agrarian reform, I return to my mother completely disrespected. <laughs> For peeling the heat off of purgatory, they kill poets like me. Walk me away from my poems never to be heard from again. 
In this final industrial complex, a bloodlines picked over, picked through a sport and spiritual death of your devil at least half made police become a pretty word. I'm reading a lynch mob shoestrings like they were tea leaves, teaching you how to write about cities. It's the 25th century in the mirror, people. Tyranny against your chump chains and your chump to be mocked even with a gun in your car. A cubit of needlework spell tuned for the proletariat, the relapse ministry. Talented people curled up in a fetal position next to a diamond dime, just another service day in the theatrics of tea house fascism and a bouquet of surveillance cameras. In the poverty of God, new blue eyes, corpses of water, newly potted presidency, or one big shiny coin if you ask an animated capitalism and other non-literal voids, killing his white freedom, the deification of hyphens, medicine bread and picture shows, great protesters in LA, guests of our ink, dropkicking rose in the graveyard. DC mink like a stone torn in half, the pen advances despite CIA guideposts, despite non-African past and futures, a metaphorical but not surreal day in the horn-ridden life, horn player, improvising king. Like a radio prize fight featuring Shango himself, a real hand sweep the land of racism. May I return to the ground? May I make progress with the gun? My mother Emmanuel, they put on music that evening. A swinging type body language for you to drink with fermented $5 bills for your body language. Some applause, my past stomach lining. Neither a good thing nor a bad thing like being psychic on the way to a lethal injection. Here to sit you down with Lady Day. I mean, Lady Day leading youth who surrendered their souls to Africa too soon. Polity thought floating in the cup of water, she saved me. Accessing my stomach, accessing the love of the American lynched. Coat sleeves, wooden avalanche into the wrist. Our mother Emmanuel, avalanche into the sharp keys. Pain, the deal you make with pain. The piano, piano makes sense for them. Laying hands on the world gradually. Addressing the bend and necks on the streets of the north. Traveling, sailing in pain, repeating pain in the north. Ten trigger fingers on that piano of harmony would have me. Putting a hundred fights on every direction offered her. Lady Day leaning on trees again. Recruiting the countryside itself. Saying lay your plan out on this lightning. Make your poems the corner pocket of men. I've greeted the blues itself. America may clean my dead body but will never include me. There goes the poet. Killing without killing. Never mind this painting of your language. May I be a meaningful lynching. A crow's passing. Good and dead by the afternoon. You know... <laughs> All street life, to a certain extent, starts fair. Sometimes with a spiritual memory even. Pre-dawn, soul clap, your father dying even. And maybe I pushed the city too far. My sensitivities to landfill districting and minstrel whistles, white supremacists, graffiti on westbound rail guards all over coming, reauthored. I mean, reauthored by revolutionary violence that chose its own protagonist, or so a muted stage of genius, the garbage is growing voices, condensed Marxism, for warrior depressives, underpasses in their pockets because they just might be deities, a decent bid on the panther name, a merciful Marxism, disquieted home life, a metaphor for relaxing next to a person who is relaxing next to a gun. I stare at my father for a few seconds, then return to my upbringing, return to the souls of Ohio, black folk revolution, down there pagan at this point. You know what the clown wants, the respect of the ant, wants to interpret pain only, wants to pull a 38 out of a begging bowl, wants me to hurt my hand on this pen. I'm not tired of these rooms, just tired of the world to give them a relativity. My only change of clothes prosecuted, the government finally learned how to write poems. Shootouts that briefly align, that make up a parable, or parables like, um, white bodies are paid well. Do white men even have leaders? Are all white people white men? A rat pitches a river, can almost taste the racial divide, can almost roll a family member's head into a city hall legislative chamber. Knows who in this good book will fly, all I do is practice, Lord. Decided not to talk out of anger ever again. I mean, met my wife at the same time I met new audience members for our pain. We pass each other cigarettes and watch cops win. A city gone uniquely linear, Harlem of the West, do a true universe. I will always remember you in fancy clothes, my wife says. So here I sit, twisting in silk ideation. Rifle made of post-bellum tar, targets made of an honest language. The San Francisco poetry is how God knows it is me whining. 
Riding among the lesser respected wolves. Lesser observed militarization. Dixie List prison bookkeeping, I mean the California Great Coast are coming. Lynch mob gossip and bourgeois debt collection, I mean it's tempting to change professions mid-poem. In the Chicago briefing, the white sergeant saying, blank slate for all of us after this black organizer is dead. Standard academics toasting two buck wine at the tank parade. Bay of nothing, Lord. Just nuclear cobblestones, gun line athleticism, and the last of the inherited asthma. Children giving white dolls to play with and fear. Facial expressions borrowed from rich people's shoestrings. I can hear hate and teach hate and call tools by people names and name people dead to themselves. No one getting naturalized except fair ladies and so on. Carving the equator in the throat soon. I'm sorry to make you relive all this, Lord, all this. Pre-dime monarchy friends putting up politician posters and snorting the remainder of the pace. Mitchell scripts shoveling to the walls by their elders. My children sharpening their quarters on the city's edge. For these audiences, I project myself into a ghost-like state. For these gangsters, I do the same. Every now and then, take a nervous look east. Sleep becomes Christ. Sleep starts growing a racial identity. Do you ever spiral, Lord? Has the gang age betrayed us? Be patient with my poems, Lord. So much pain, it's a point to crime. I mean, it has to be if race traders come with it. Lord, is that my revolver in your hand? You know, better presidents than these of yonder cages have called us holy slaves, filled the school libraries with cop documentaries. Baby, I don't have money for food. So I don't have a present moment at all. I go to the railroad tracks and follow them to the station of my enemies. A cobalt-toothed man pitches pennies at my mugshot negative all over the United States. There are toddlers in the rock. I mean, I see why everyone out here got in the big cosmic basket and why blood agreements mean a lot and why I get shot back at. I understand the psycho-spiritual refusal to write white history to take the glass freeway. White skin tattooed on my right forearm, ricochet sewage near where I collapsed into a rat-infested manhood. My new existence is living graffiti in the kitchen with a lot of gun cylinders to hack up. House of God in part, no cops in part. My body brings down to Christmas. The new bullets pray over blankets made from the old bullets. Pray over the 28th hour's next beauty mark. Extrajudicial Confederate statue restoration. The waistband before the next protest post. Hey, by the way, time is not an illusion, your honor. I will save your desk for last. You are witty, your honor. You're moving money again, your honor. It is only raining one thing. Non-white cops. And prison guard shadows reminded me of spoiled milk floating on an oil spill in the neighborhood making a lot of fuss over his demise and new late for a Black Panther party. Malcolm X's ballroom jacket slung over my son's shoulder, the figment of village. A new news to a new white preacher, all in an abstract painting of a president. Boss slavery sometime, didn't it? The tantrum screeches of military boss in election Tuesday cars, a cold-blooded study in leg irons, proof that some white people have actually fondled nooses. Their sundown couples made their vows of love over opaque piece plastic and bolt action audiences. The Medgar Evers second is definitely my favorite law of science. Fondle news clippings at primitive Methodists, my arm changes imperialisms. Simple policing versus structural frenzies. Elementary school script versus even wider white spectrums. Heartless bleeding in the challenge of watching civilians think of terrible rituals they have around the corner. They let their elders beg for public mercy. I'm gonna go ahead and sharpen these kids' heads and their arrows myself and see how much gravy spills out of family crest. Modern fans of war, what, 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 what? With their t-shirt poems and t-shirt guilt and me having on the cheapest pair of shoes on the bus, I have no choice but to read the city walls for signs of my life. All right, welcome back to Full Circle, right here on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. That extended poem you just heard was from San Francisco poet laureate Tongo Eisen Martin. Be sure to check out Black Freighter Press at blackfreighterpress.com, and we will also have a link to our website at kpfaapprentice.org just after the show tonight. And if you want to hear more poems from the Literacy Poetry Festival put on by LitQuick, check out our archives from November 5th, 2021 on kpfaapprentice.org. .org. Let's take a short break and hear about a special day of programming in honor of Black History Month put on by the Pacifica Network. 
Check this out, and we'll be right back. Black is you, black is me, black is us, black is free, black is free. Black is the velvet of the midnight sky. Black is so beautiful it makes you cry. These are the words of the last poets from their poem, Black Is. In this spirit, we invite you to join Pacifica Radio and affiliates for a special network-wide day of programming celebrating Black History Month. On Monday, February 21st, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Pacifica programmers come together to present Black Is, 360 degrees of the Black Experience. Tune in to your local Pacifica station or listen online at pacifica.org February the 21st or email blackhistoryspecial at gmail.com. All right, welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and kpfa.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will join us for this uh, month of special programming and the day of Pacifica programming. Up next, Joy Moore, graduate KPFA apprentice, producer, and my co-host tonight shares her perspective on the plight of enslaved Africans in North America. Take a listen. The enslavement and oppression of Africans in North America. This is Joy Moore on Full Circle. At the inception of the so-called United States, slavery was a legal institution. Africans have suffered hundreds of years of slavery and brutal oppression, which has resulted in the United States being one of the richest, most exploitive, and warmongering countries on the planet today. The practice of enslavement, primarily of Africans, existed before the inception of the United States, beginning in 1526 by the Portuguese, almost 700 years ago, and didn't end here legally, supposedly, until the passage of the Emancipation Proclamation. Slavery was established throughout European colonies in the Americas, and it was practiced in Britain's colonies, including the 13 colonies which later formed the United States. Under the law, an enslaved person was treated as property and could be brought, sold, or given away. Slavery lasted in about half of the United States legally until the Emancipation Proclamation as an economic system. Slavery was largely replaced by sharecropping and convict leasing in the South and continued the brutal oppression of Africans to this day. Almost 700 years of brutal enslavement and oppression and now often people say, well, that was in the past. Or they'll say others have been oppressed or brutally treated. Get over it. However, never in recorded history have millions of people been stolen from their home, forced to labor for free, bear the children of their enslavers, and had their children taken from them and been treated less than human. Now we're being told to just let that history go. But Africans are still not free, equal citizens. Remember, the news of the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln was not even given to enslaved Africans in Texas until at least two years after its creation. Truthfully, slavery and oppression have not ended. First, there was sharecropping, and prison labor continues to enrich the South at the expense of millions of Africans. And even now, we face extraordinary poverty, limited resources, poor health, mass incarceration, poor education, and many of us continually face discrimination every day. Yet we're told, get over it. Let's move on. 
Wow. We're a rootless people. Unlike others, we are ignorant of our beginnings, where we came from, who we came from, our languages, our spiritual and cultural practices. And unlike the decimated indigenous here, or Jewish people all over the world, or immigrants and other oppressed, we have no knowledge of self, other than as enslaved and the least valued people here to this day. We've suffered almost 700 years enslavement and oppression. We're constantly told, let's move on. Let's go forward. But how exactly can we go forward? What can be done to repair and compensate millions for 700 years of enslavement, oppression, and discrimination? Well, first I'd like to point out that as so-called citizens of this country, my forebears and I have paid to be oppressed through government taxes, low wages, prison labor, poor housing conditions, no health care, in run-down, uncared-for neighborhoods, and having to continually fight, demonstrate, march, and beseech our government to provide what we need to live healthy, productive lives. Yet, we still continue to suffer because of the color of our skin. Reparations. They could begin with the return of all government taxes ever paid, free quality housing, free health care and education, and by granting the promised benefits to veterans, like the GI Bill, and by loaning money to farmers, which was afforded to most so-called white farmers in America. Let's begin there. The government keeps records of all these denied benefits, and we know how we could use them to repair our lives now. Let's acknowledge and embrace the brutal treatment Africans have and continue to suffer. Let's help ensure successful futures for all of the citizens of this country, which we must remember and acknowledge was stolen from the indigenous of this land and has enriched the 1% while continuing to oppress the 99% of us. Hundreds of years of chattel, slavery, and the oppression of Africans must be addressed and repaired. The 99% of us who all still suffer at the hands of the rich and the powerful must come together now. Reparations now for all of us. This has been Joy Moore of Full Circle. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. Thank you, Joy. For those wise words, of course, we always appreciate hearing from you on Full Circle. You're welcome, Franklin, and everyone for letting me share. Next, let's hear from graduate apprentice Sharon Peterson and a little history on classical music from Black instrumentalists. And she speaks with Anita Lofton of the Anita Lofton Project. Samantha Ege is our pianist for the next piece. Ms. Ege is the Lord Crew Junior Research Fellow in Music at Lincoln College, University of Oxford. As a musicologist, she focuses on composers from underrepresented backgrounds. Our first piece comes from Florence Price. She was with us from 1887 to 1953. She composed over 300 pieces. 
1931, as a single mom, Miss Price played the organ in silent movie theaters and wrote radio ad jingles to make ends meet. In 1933, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra premiered Ms. Price's Symphony No. 1, making her the first African-American woman composer to have her music played by a major symphony orchestra. Here now is Florence Price's Sonata in E Minor, Second Movement.
With us tonight is Anita Lofton of the Anita Lofton Project. The project has just released their third album, Brand New Day, and you can find more about them on theanitaloftonproject.com. Anita, could you tell us a little bit about the musical inspiration behind the genres that you play? Sure, and so, you know, it's a project kind of, hmm, how do we put it, came out of the... Uh, there was this band that I was in uh, called Sisters in the Pit, and we were an all-black girl uh, rock and roll trio. So we're talking, you know, Marshall Stacks and uh, a full drum kid and a rock and bass. We were loud, and it was awesome. We had quite a bit of success and even toured with the legendary uh, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, uh, did a tour in Europe and China. So that was a lot of fun. And towards the end of that, I started hearing these beautiful songs that were coming to me, but they were significantly quieter than the music that I was playing. I heard lovely strings like violins and cellos and acoustic, uh, me playing an acoustic guitar. So I just wanted to explore that. And that's how the Anita Lofton project came to be. That's fantastic. And I definitely do hear the violins and that quieter influence, but there's nothing soft really about it. No, in the beginning, I wanted it so stripped down. It was just me and um, a violin player named Jaleesa Clark. She was my first musician for this project. And it was simply my voice her violin and mm. my acoustic guitar. So over the years, it became a, a louder sound, you know. I stepped away from playing my electric guitar, which is which has been a huge part of me, you know, since I was a kid, since they had music in school. So it's it's a bit louder now. And the, the beginning, it's, I would say maybe the first two, three years, a little bit quieter than it is now. <laughs> You're right, it, it's not so quiet anymore. Looks like you've doubled the size of the band. I have, and in the beginning, I kept it exclusively brown girls. Because unfortunately, during that time when people would think of a string player, they didn't look like you or me. Nope. And I wanted to change that. I was very passionate about that. And coming out of Sisters in the Pit, when people thought of a rock band or a punk rock band, they didn't think of brown girls like ever. <laughs> so that was my one of my reasons to just keep it like that. There were no, um, I didn't know of any brown girls who were playing violin. And it took me, I want to say maybe a year to track down, I'll call it my first unicorn. Ooh. And a funny story about the word unicorn, when I started my project looking for specifically brown girls who played stringed instruments, I was told to my face that I would have better success or better luck finding a unicorn <laughs> than finding a girl who looked like me playing a violin or a cello. 
So I, uh, <laughs> when somebody gives me a challenge, I like to deliver. It took me a year, but I found my uh, unicorns. You know, women of any color, people exactly. are still surprised that they're in rock and roll. We've been in rock and roll, all colors, yeah. from day one. From day one. Before it, that. It, exactly. From and the we, roots. From the roots. And can we say... Uh, Hound Dog was not recorded by Elvis Presley the first time. That was first recorded by Big Mama Thornton, who, in my opinion, is the creator of rock and roll as we know it today. Legendary. Legendary. It just blows me away. I, I would love for people to just research that. Just incredible. But that's why I'm here. <laughs> And we thank you for it. I think it's time we gave the people a little sample. All right, sounds good to me. Could you tell us a little bit about Starting to Believe? Okay, it's just, um, you know, as humans, uh, I feel like everybody's journey, you have to trust yourself and you have to believe in yourself. So that's, that's what this song is about, you know, starting to believe and trust in yourself. Thank you, Anita. And now we shall listen to Starting to Believe by the Anita Lofton Project. Welcome back. This is Full Circle right here on KPFA and KPFA.org. 
Thank you, Sharon, for that short history lesson and bringing back friend to the show, Anita Lofton. She didn't mention it in the interview, but Sisters in the Pit also were featured here in the KPFA studios on Full Circle. And just for old time's sake, we'll try to bring back that show soon. Finally, let's hear from Brother Anthony Randolph of Grace Arms in Antioch as he gives us a quick update on the annual Black History Month event his organization offers this year going virtual. Check it out. Yes, thank you for uh, having me. And yes, uh, this year uh, it's going to be a virtual event. It's actually our 12th annual event uh, beginning uh, February 8th all the way through February 28th, Black History Month. Let me hear how this is going to work because I've been attending a lot of the ones since Dr. Frazier had them. And basically it was usually in a big room with a, um, a lot of displays on the walls and on the tables about the timeline of African-American history, starting back um, from Africa and then uh, marking great milestones in other unknown histories all the way up into the present day. And you would walk around the room and, you know, check out the displays. There'd be some presentations. How do you plan on doing this virtually? What's the setup going to be? Yeah, if you think of it similar, if you're going into an exhibit, there would be something that would give you an introduction. Uh, and so we'll have an introduction video. Uh, as soon as you go on the website, that'll, that's a, something that you'll uh, view first. And then um, just like you would in a physical environment, you would be starting at the very first station and then go through the timeline, you know, going through uh, from Africa um, all the way down to present day. Uh, the present day uh, obviously is uh, something that's dear to my heart because it talks about soul food. And uh, that's something that I enjoy in soul food, but it talks about that in terms of today's uh, world. All right. And tell me, what is some of the highlights that um, you are particularly interested? You mentioned the soul food. What else has got you um, excited about this year's exhibit? Yeah, you know, um, when you think about uh, Black history, of course, we've already mentioned starting off in, in Africa. Um, down to uh, the plantation, um, then uh, re uh, reconstruction. Um, uh, there was also a movement back to uh, Africa uh, movement. Um, and then we fast forward to, you know, some of our more recent history, uh, including, you know, Martin Luther King and other civil rights uh, people are uh, identified uh, through uh, uh, Barack Obama as a uh, president, uh, and then uh, Kwanzaa, which is an African-American uh, tradition, you know, down to uh, some of the more uh, uh, things like, for example, quilt uh, collection that talks about the history of slave slavery. Uh, and so that's another one that's uh, dear to my heart is the quilt collection. All right. Yeah, I've seen some beautiful quilts out there, a lot of history around quilts and uh, African-American history. Well, before we run out of time, how do people log on? How do people get connected to your uh, Black History virtual event this year? Yeah, so beginning on February 8th, you can just go uh, to www 
www.gracearmsofantioch.org forward slash black dash history. And that will take you right into that particular page again on February 8th. And that's where you'll be able to see all of the information that we have for you. All right. And we will also put a link to that on our website, KPFA Apprentice, just after the show tonight. You got any last words, Brother Anthony, for the Full Circle listeners out there tonight regarding Black History Month? I just want to leave everyone with this last uh, thought, you know, that, you know, Black history uniquely is American history. That's right. A lot of people get that confused. All right, Brother Anthony, I thank you for taking the time to join us tonight on Full Circle and to bring us this update. I'm looking forward to checking out the Black History exhibit um, from Grace Arms of Antioch this year. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show to learn more about all the topics from tonight's show, including a link to the Black History Month virtual event we just heard from. And always consider donating what you can to KPFA. We can't do this without our community support. And I want to give a shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer, Ms. M, myself, Joy Moore. I'm the production consultant. And with me tonight, Freewill and Franklin. He's the technical director and have also been our co-host tonight. And everyone, please remember while you're out there to protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA because up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. Good night.